You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. All right, guys, I am so expectant for what God is about to do in this service for each and every one of you. Um, during worship, during the 10 a.m. service, actually, I got a prophetic verse that I just wanted to speak over us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. But it's Ephesians 5.14, and it says, Arise, awaken, O sleeper, and Christ will shine upon you. And I really felt the Holy Spirit say that there are people in here that came in, and maybe you're awake physically, but there are some areas of your life that are sleepy, or maybe you don't know how to approach it, so you're just keeping it in the shadows. But today... The light of Christ is going to shine on it, and you are going to be awakened, and you're going to see God do the miraculous. You are sitting in a church that welcomes the power of God, and he's going to do what we cannot do, and that is a good thing. So it's going to be a really amazing day um, in the house of God. I also want to really quickly honor our lead pastors, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. They're amazing leaders. We are in good hands with them. We get to enjoy so much because of the pioneering that they do and that they've always done for us. So I want to honor them. I also want to honor Pastor Stacy for the voice of wisdom and friendship that she extends our campus. And then my amazing husband. What an intro, babe. That was awesome. Yes. Okay. So um, I actually want to pray before we get going because I have a word that is for our campus and I want you guys to be able to receive it. So really quickly, I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much that you are here with us. I thank you, God, that you've given me this word to speak. Um, And I just pray that every single person in here would leave feeling encouraged, empowered, and that your presence would be with us, that your peace would be in this room. And I kick out any lie of the enemy. It has no room to mess with the minds of the people in this church. There's going to be truth and freedom. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. All right, come on. So the message title for today is, I want to dance with somebody. Come on. Oh, yes. This is what inspired it. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That did inspire my message title. Thank you, media team. I want to dance with somebody. Who does not want to dance with somebody? Who doesn't want to have fun and have a flow and an ease to their life? And I know that today we are going to learn how to dance well with each other, all right? I'm going to be tackling some things when it comes to the area of marriage, and we're going to learn how to dance with our dance partner, which is our spouse. And I'm not going to lie, when Mike and I first met, I was a horrible dance partner. We would go two-stepping. We're from Texas. And so we would go out um, on Thursday night which was the college night, and we would go out two-stepping. And sometimes my husband used to play guitar for a country band, so I would go watch him, and then we would two-step. And the two-step is a very easy dance. It's literally just like one, two, one. All right, that was free, guys. That's the two-step. And so I would go out, and I would be on the dance floor with Mike, and he would be so frustrated and be like, woman, let me lead. Because I'd be like trying to wrestle him, like, no, let's go this way. And it just felt awkward and a little bit tense. And I really feel like the word that God has given me is going to equip, empower, and give life so that you can learn how to dance and have fun on the dance floor of life. And it's going to be amazing. So I want to dance with somebody. I'm going to be tackling three different dances that we get to see in marriage. But it's going to get real. It's going to get a little spicy. It's going to be fun. 
Um, but before I, I really get into it, I really wanted to lay a good foundation because, first of all, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I know that we all walk into the church carrying some things that have stuck to us that maybe are not serving us well. And God really gave me this, the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and for not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And it's so beautiful because God put time into the earth. It's something that we experience here on earth so that there can be a separation of our past from our future. And this morning, I want you to leave the past in the past. It is a new day at Awaken Church, Eastlake, and your future is bright. It's filled with hope. It's filled with joy. God wants to do the miraculous in your marriage and in every relationship. And so just turn to your neighbor and say, the past is in the past. Come on. All right. And for those of you guys that maybe are not sitting in here married, maybe you are really going through a very hard season. Maybe you're going through a season where you're getting divorced or um, maybe I know that there's some of you that have lost spouses in the past year or so. And I want you to be encouraged and know that God sees you. He sees where you're at. He sees the season you're in, that you are walking through. And I wanna encourage you with a verse because wherever Jesus is, Wherever Jesus is, there is life in abundance. And if we only look our eyes and point our eyes up to him, just like it says in Colossians 3, 2 through 5, set your minds on the things above. So no matter what you are going through, when you set your mind on the things above, no matter what your relational status is, you will have life and joy in abundance. And I want you to know that the things that I'm talking about, maybe they don't apply to the season that you're in, but God still has a word for you today. Amen? All right, so we're not going to feel shame or condemnation. We're going to set our eyes on Christ, and we're going to see him do the miraculous today. Amen? Awesome. So this message really came um, from Mike and I having conversations about what we've been noticing, the cries of the men and women during our weekly prayer meetings. If you guys don't know, our men meet every Tuesday morning at 5.30, and the women meet on Thursdays at um, 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., and we're seeing God move, we're seeing revival happen. And in those prayer meetings, it's a sacred place where we get to come and we get to stand in the gap. And Mike and I started to notice some patterns from men and women's prayer. And so these three dances that I'm gonna be talking to you about today come from uh, the heart that Mike and I carry for marriage here at our campus specifically. Because it says in Matthew 12, 25, where there is a house divided, it cannot stand. The Bible also says where there's unity, it commands a blessing. And so our heart for the marriages at Awaken Eastlake is that there would be so much unity, that there would be no room for division, and we would be able to see God flow the miraculous into every single home, every single household, every single marriage. So that's where this message is coming from, a heart for, from you guys and what we're seeing and what God is doing in our campus specifically. So we're going to go there. Are you guys good for it? You ready? It's going to get a little spicy in here, but I'm, I'm so excited. And I, I know my heart too that um, the things that I'm going to be sharing with you today are things that I have walked through with Mike. I am not above this word. Honestly, even just doing this, putting together this preach allowed for Mike and I to have some conversations that um, allowed more breakthrough. So I'm coming to you with this word 
in it with you, that God is doing something amazing in the life of our church, specifically in the area of marriage. And we're going to continue to see it outworked, not just for you guys, but for Mike and I as well. And I know that what God has done for me and Mike in our marriage, he will do it for your marriage too. Because he doesn't play favorites. His favorites is anyone that believes in him and loves him and allows him to come into their life. So receive this word and know it comes from a, a place in my heart where we are cheering you on and we believe it so deeply because everything that I am sharing is a part of my own testimony. So um, these three dances really come from this root and I'm just going to throw it out there really quick and then we are going to get into the three dances because I continue to see this, this small little thread of this Catholicism mindset that's attached to the law where the law does not produce life, it produces death, right? Where there's almost a rebellion um, when it comes to the area of submission on both sides. And there's vacancies that happen when you rebel against the way that God designed you to function within the roles of marriage. And it produces hurt, it produces shame, it produces complacency. And I am here to bring you the truth of the word of God so that we can see life flow and order. I, I almost saw like our marriages in our campus just need a little bit of adjusting. And when we adjust and tweak these things, there's gonna be order that can flow and we can receive all that God has for us. So today we're gonna ditch the rebellion. We're gonna put down our tools of control and shame. And we're going to see God breathe new life, just like it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. This is what this scripture says. This is a covenant, not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. And that's what um, the scripture that I want our foundation to be for these three areas of marriage. It's built on having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Okay, you guys still with me? You ready for the first dance? Okay. There it is, the money dance. The first area that we are going to talk about today in church is the area of money and how it affects our marriages. I'm going there, guys. Come along with me. Okay, so before I get into the scripture that I want to really bring to you, I want to shed light on some, something that I'm noticing a lot when it comes to how husbands and wives relate to, the, relate to each other in the area of money. And I have to just say this and know that it comes from a place of love. Um, but the husband is the one to carry the mantle of provision for his family. Okay, and all that uh, a mantle is, is it's a covering, it's the responsibility. And I know that every family looks different. Some families, the wife is the one that earns the main income for the family. In other families, the husband earns the main income. In other families, both. And you go through seasons, like even in Mike and I's marriage, we've gone through seasons where we make different amounts of money. I'm not talking about the numerical bank account number. I'm talking about the headship of the home and how it has to be resting upon the shoulders of the husband. And it's biblical. It's something that husbands, you were created to take territory. You were created to go out and fight and to fight on behalf of your family. You were built as a man to be masculine in the area of provision for your family and to create a covering for your family. And I'm just seeing these really subtle little um, tendencies within some marriages and 
I'm going to share my own testimony in this as well, where the wife, for whatever reason, has taken that mantle, taken that control and that responsibility away from her husband because of fear, because of past hurts, because of seasons where she had to be both the husband and the wife. I know that there's a lot of single mamas in here or even um, mamas who have had to walk through a season where they had to be the covering for their entire family. But now you're in a marriage context and, and what does that look like? How do I shift roles? How do I let go and release and allow my husband to step into headship over my family? And this is something that is so subtle, but it will do such damage to how God ordained and designed marriage to be, especially in the area of money. So husbands, when you step in and say, I'm going to lead this family, out of a place of love and protection, it allows your wife to exhale. She can just take a breath and she can put down her tool of control. That's what happens when that order comes back into alignment. And it's something that I'm passionate about because Mike and I experienced this in our own family. So when we got married, Mike was a college student. And when we were dating, he was actually a community college student. And I would drive him to TCC Community College, drop him off because he didn't have a car. And then I would drive 45 minutes to my own college classes. And then I'd drive 45 minutes back, pick him up. We would read novels to each other in the car. That's how much we drove in the car. And so that was when we were dating. And then when we got married, we moved out here to San Diego from Texas for him to do his master's degree and his PhD. And so all through our first years of marriage, I was the one that had consistent paychecks and consistent income. And I was raised in a military family. I have amazing parents. My dad was in the Navy. And so he would deploy and my mom would take care of the home. She was amazing at making sure we still had joy. We had everything that we needed. She was a working mom as well. And this lie just kind of stuck to me that didn't come from my parents. It came from the enemy that said, you always have to be the one to keep it all together. It's on you to make sure that you can always provide for yourself. No matter what your husband does, you have to always make sure that even if he leaves you, that you'll be okay. And it was this little lie, this little fear that crept in, and it, it made me steal that mantle away from my husband, who had never done any of those things. He had never proven to even betray my trust ever. And so what it did, what it caused was this ceiling over our finances, not because physically our situation was how it was, but because spiritually I was cutting off a flow from heaven down towards my husband. And Pastor Stacy graciously was the one to call me out on it. And she noticed it. And so <laughs> I hadn't even noticed it in myself. And so I went to Mike and I said, oh my gosh, I have to talk to you. And it was hard for me. I, cause I, you know, I'm a little stubborn, a little prideful. I just swallowed my pride and I apologized. I said, I want you to feel empowered. I want you to know that I trust you with our family. I want you to carry the weight, the, the weight that was designed for you to carry and not for me to carry. And I apologized to him and we prayed and we got aligned by the word of God. And the most amazing thing started to happen, you guys. He started to get freelance work that wasn't even on our radar. 
And it just so happens it coincided with us beginning to give to vision builders and tithing. So God was using all these different things um, in our connect groups. We were getting discipleship. And God started flowing finance into our home because he could now. I wasn't like blocking it. And so I want to encourage you, have a conversation. Think about, do I trust my husband? Am I empowering him to be the leader of our home in the area of money? Am I encouraging him? Am I telling him what an amazing job he's doing at protecting our family, of leading our family. And husbands, step into that role and own it because you were built for it, you're designed for it, you're good for it. We see this healthy relationship in Proverbs 31. And now Proverbs 31 normally is focused on like wife goals, right? But as I was reading it, it really is the perfect example of the relationship dynamics when there's health in the home regarding money. Okay, so Proverbs 31.1 says, Her husband trusts her without reserve and never has reason to regret it. Husbands, are you giving your wives breadth to take care of the home, to create beautiful atmospheres and hospitality and to go and make sure your kids look all cute when you're taking them out and, and having just a pride that comes with taking care of their home? Are you giving her that breadth to do what she was designed to do? Because in this scripture, that's what it says. Her husband trusted her without reserve. And then this next part, and never has reason to regret it. Wives, are you stewarding what has been given to your family with care, with respect and honor towards your husband. Later on the verse, it says, never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around the Nordstrom sales racks <laughs> and Target, come on somebody, for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. I don't really enjoy knitting and sewing, but I do enjoy a good shopping trip to Target, okay? But are you stewarding that well? Is there trust where your, your spouse can release you and say, yes, like make everything beautiful in our life because in our home, at least, I'm the one that makes most of those decisions for our family. I'm the one that's buying the clothes and the food and, and the Target shopping. Okay, can I just say, Target. <laughs> Target, I have to get it out. I go to Target rather frequently. It's a wonderful, beautiful place. Like you walk in and there's Starbucks waiting for you and I get my latte and then my kids, if they were crazy, it's like everything just melts away when you walk in and I'm shopping and I've had moments where I'm just feeling it. I'm like, yes, okay. And I go up to the cash register and I get convicted by the Holy Spirit. Are you stewarding your, your family well? Is this actually good stewardship? Is this a reflection of honor towards your husband for the things that you have vision for in your family? And I've, I've many a times had to put things back <laughs> because the answer was no. I mean, it happens, guys. But are you able to be trusted by your spouse? And it's a two-way street. And here in Proverbs 31, we see how that relationship outplays when there's health and when there's order in the area of money. Women, materialism can cost you so much more than a low bank account. It can cost you the trust within your marriage. And I don't want you to go down that road. There is no pretty top or nice 
I don't know, whatever your thing is, hobby that will give you the satisfaction that compares to having trust within your marriage. Okay, and I want you to grab a hold of these truths. I want you to talk to your spouse and, and have these conversations around money. And they're hard to have. I mean, I'm going to be the first to admit, I probably cry or get defensive like 49% of the time. <laughs> because it's hard to have these conversations, but we have a vision that is given to us by God that we are really laser focused on getting to these places and it takes having these conversations it takes it takes the spirit of humility it takes having vision and faith and it it takes both parties husbands and wives working together so that you have unity <clears throat> which leads me into the next part of the money talk the money dance are you a team with your husband and this is something that Mike and I have learned throughout our years of being married is we and there's been times where we've slipped into this comparison trap where we almost have to one-up each other's day. Like he'll get back from a work trip and he'll be like, babe, my work trip was so stressful. And then I got to my hotel like 1 a.m. and I was so tired and he starts listing it off. And then I'm like, oh yeah? Well, my day involved your son being so crazy and da 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 And then this happened, da 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 And so then we're like trying to one-up how hard each other's days were because there was a missing unity within we are a team and we are going to validate each other in the seasons that we're in, in the workspaces that we're in, and the roles that we have. And we're going to lean towards affirmation, not from a place of deficit where we're so hungry for it that we're having to like spew venom at our spouse, but to be proactive in validating and encouraging one another so that we can feel released to do what we have to do in the seasons that we find ourselves in. And when you have this team mentality, and Mike and I talk about this, me releasing Mike to go kill it in the marketplace and me take care of our home while he does that, I'm making bank just as much as he is because he wouldn't be able to do what he does without me doing what I do. So when you view what you accomplish as a family and not separately, then you can enjoy so much more together. You can feel affirmed. You can feel released to go and pursue your dreams and to be sent out and to see God do the miraculous when you have that team mentality. And I want that for you guys so badly. And with that, I also just want to say to embrace your season. Embrace your season. When Mike and I moved to San Diego, we were broke as a joke. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious, you guys. Like, Looking back on it, the season that we were in, we were so excited. We were young. We were newlyweds. And we were so expectant about what God was doing in our life. But we did not have very much money to our name. And um, I remember us talking. We're like, but we still need to go on date nights. I mean, this, we live in San Diego. We live by the beach. And so we allotted ourselves $10 date nights. That was our budget for dates. And so I remember us going to Walmart and we bought a little grill and we would just buy Duraflame logs and have like bonfires. With like, we probably looked homeless because we were like on the beach, but we were so happy. And that was like our date night or we'd buy like, you know, some sausage and then cook it over the fire. And it's like date night, sunset on the beach. Um, and we just embraced the season that we're in. And there's no shame for the season that you're in. Own it. Have fun with it. 
Have gratitude for the blessing that God has given your family. Don't fall into the comparison trap where you're pushing your husband or blaming him. Like, why can't we do that? Why can't we go to Roost Chris for dinner? We live by the beach, you guys. Free 50 anytime you want a date night. It's amazing. (laughs) But I just want to encourage you, don't fall into that trap because there's so much joy that comes in whatever season that you find yourself in when you look for it and when you ask God for it. Happiness is attached to feelings. Joy is attached to God. Let him flow joy into your marriage, into your finances, and watch him just elevate you. We are always spiraling upwards. You have found yourself in a house of God that has an anointing for prosperity because we understand the power of generosity. And if you just sit long enough, you will begin to see your life open up in ways that you could not even dream of for yourself. And as you're going through that process, enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, and enjoy where your family is at and make the most of it. Amen? Okay, I'm not gonna labor on that anymore. All right, so that was the first dance. The second dance that we are going to dance into is the prayer dance. I really want to talk to you guys about prayer because it's something that you're hearing more and more from Pastor Mike and myself. We're very passionate about prayer. We know and believe that prayer is what starts revival. It's what sustains revival. And it's what grows revival. And we're seeing it happen and we're so excited about it. But I want you to understand the power of prayer and making sure you're not abusing prayer and making sure that you're harnessing the power of prayer in your marriage specifically. So when you pray for your husband, you should be, or your wife, you should be leveraging oneness, okay? Leveraging oneness. Oneness means that you have the most authority and you can access the greatest amount of breakthrough, not just for yourself, but through, for your spouse through prayer. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this, in the new life of God's grace, you're equals. You are equals. Treat your wives then, this is addressed to the husbands, as equals so that your prayers don't run aground. Yikes. So what the scripture is saying that you can pray and it's not effective. Wait, I thought the prayers of the righteous were powerful and effective. And this scripture is saying that they can run aground? That seems to be conflicting. It's because of this truth. If you are subluxated in the spiritual when it comes to how you view your wife, and if you are using prayer um, to manipulate or to abuse, then God will turn a deaf ear to it because it's not in alignment with the word of God. You have to know that you are created equal with your spouse in the spiritual. Okay, and so what that looks like is when you're praying for your spouse, there's a oneness there and you can leverage it. You can leverage it to see God do the miraculous because in God's eyes, you are one. And then you add God in. It says in Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So what the scripture is saying is, yes, there's power when you get married, but when you add in the Holy Spirit, when you add in God, nothing can break you down easily. When that offense comes in, when that hurt happens, when you see something that's like a mountain that you're facing together, it says, and I think it's interesting how the verse says two can defend themselves. 
So maybe without God, if you've shoved God out of your marriage, you can stay in the defense. But how tiring is that? To constantly be just defending everything and pushing everything back and holding it. When you bring God in, there's this breath that you can take because he's the one that fights our battles for us. He's the one that brings miracles down from heaven. He's the one, the way maker, you know what I mean? So when you allow God to be in your marriage, you transition from the defense into the offense. And you can yield your sword. You can use the word of God to pray and see God do the miraculous. So when you have that as your foundation for understanding what prayer is in the context of marriage, then you can actually start praying powerful prayers that are effective. It says in Proverbs 18, 20 through 21, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with a harvest of their lips they are satisfied. So words satisfy the mind just as much as fruit satisfies the stomach. So what this scripture is saying, that your words hold either life or death, either nourishment or malnourishment. And it's up to you to decide how to use your words to speak life over your marriage or to speak death over your marriage, to speak life over your relationships or to pull down your spouse. And unfortunately, sometimes it can sneak into our prayer life where prayer becomes a tool of manipulation instead of breakthrough. Did you know that prayer is used to unlock, heal, and protect your spouse? And it's easy when you're flustered or when you're frustrated. And in my house, this is what it looks like. I'm inviting you into Katie's prayer closet. Okay, I'm going in a prayer closet. God, I'm so mad at Mike. Oh my gosh, he did this to me and I feel so offended and he was wrong. I know that you're gonna school him. I know that you're gonna put him in his place. I know, go do that right now, God. And then this is God's response. It's your fault. It's your heart. Look at your own heart, Katie. Get your own heart right. Can't you see that you are acting out of a place of fear? And then you projected this onto your husband. It's where you receive wisdom and you're able to see perspective that comes so that you can't damage what God has given you to protect. And I have been there, you guys, where I have used prayer because I was fearful for the direction that my family was heading or the direction that our marriage was heading. And I would use the word of God to manipulate and not to heal. This holds every answer you will ever need to anything that you face in life. Anything that you face in life, the word of God has power. It has breakthrough. When you speak these words, it creates life, just like that scripture says in Proverbs. And I want to encourage you, if you don't read your Bible, and I'm not talking about like verse of the day on the Bible app, okay? That doesn't count, all right? We're, we're getting mature in here. We are going to learn how to eat the bread of life, the word of God. And if you haven't learned, yeah, come on. This is how we see marriages restored. This is how we see sons and and daughters returning into the house of God. This is how we see job offers come out of nowhere with salaries bigger than what you could ever expect. And when you learn how to read and be a part of what God is doing in our city through reading the word of God, you will be so strong and you will have wisdom and you will have relationship to go into anything that you're facing and fight from a place of victory. So if you don't know how to read the Bible, it's okay, but don't just use it as an excuse. Learn. I use Google a lot. (laughs) I will Google Bible verses on fear if I'm feeling really fearful. And then I will take the scriptures and then I will 
go to my actual Bible and I will look at the actual scripture and then I will get context around that scripture and then I'll insert my husband's name into that scripture and I will prophesy using scripture and that is how you see breakthrough come about. This is how we are going to see a city change. This is how you're going to see your marriage that you thought was hopeless come to life again. It's when we apply the word of God and we see what God will do because he is the one that heals and restores and he is inviting us into that, which is so amazing. Okay, I think I've labored enough on that. You guys feeling good about that? Are you just so excited to wake up in the morning and read your Bible and pray? Okay, good. <laughs> then I've done my job. Funny story. So before I learned about how to properly use the word of God to fight for my marriage, I would literally look up verses that were like zingers, you know, like husbands, love your wives, like Christ loved the church. And I would just like casually set in on our breakfast table and then Mike would wake up. I'd be like, oh, good morning. Why don't you just sit there? I'll get you some coffee. Oh, Oh, wow, this is interesting. Look at the scripture. Why don't you just read that for a second while I get, while I get your coffee? Yeah, don't do that, <laughs> okay? That will just push your husband away from wanting to read the word of God, which is what happened in our home. And can I just tell you before I, I, I'm gonna say one more thing. If your spouse or if a loved one even, or if a friend is having a hard time wrestling with their faith, wrestling with their relationship with God, don't shove Bible verses down their throat. Take them out, have fun with them, love them, encourage them, send them a text saying that you're thinking about them. Watch the love of Christ flow through you and that will be what unlocks them, not shoving religion and law down their throats. And I fell into that trap and it took me a bit to climb myself out of that hole. And I'm so thankful that I was a part of a family of God and a church that helped disciple me into how it looks to be a healthy wife. All right. And so it applies to every area of relationship. Use this to fight your battles in the spiritual, but then outwork it through love and relationship and fun and joy. Okay. All right, awesome. So the last dance that we are going to go into is the intimacy dance. Intimacy. Some people are like, oh goodness, intimacy. Okay, what is she about to say? <laughs> I am so passionate about talking about this because I have been there where intimacy was a struggle. And I'm not just talking about physical intimacy, I'm talking about emotional intimacy. And I've been in situations where I'm hearing the cries of the wives and the husbands wanting that breakthrough, but not truly understanding how to actually get it. And something that um, Mike and I did when we were in premarital actually is we made a promise to each other that we were go going to be a safe place for one another. And so what that looks like is when we're out in public or when we're not with each other, we are going to cover our husband and our wife. So we never talk badly. We never overshare about things that we're going through with other people. We are for each other and we can trust that our name is gonna be honored when we're with, to, with each other and when we're not. Emotional intimacy is the foundation for physical intimacy and trust is the key that unlocks that emotional intimacy. I remember this one time Mike and I were newlyweds and I messed up. I uncovered him in front of um, some friends and colleagues 
and I could tell his face just went white and I knew I had messed up. And we were driving home and he looked over and he was like, why did you say that, Katie? Like, I thought we made a promise to each other and I was like, you're right, I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget that night because it's the last time I did it. It impacted me so much that I could bring destruction and tear down his ego and uncover him and hurt his masculinity so quickly with my words. And it terrified me and I, t- I apologized to him. And from that moment on, we've built so slowly and steadily a foundation of emotional intimacy. And what this looks like is when your spouse lets his or her walls down, it is not the time for you to be 10% crazy, okay? It is a time where you're gonna lean in and you're gonna listen and you're gonna extend care and encouragement and you're gonna be a safe place. And husbands need a safe place just as much as wives need a safe place. And when you work on this intimacy, this emotional intimacy, then you can start to really feel unified and you can step out and you can start to see things happen in your marriage. It's amazing. I am passionate about this because I also see insecurities sometimes come in to a husband or a spouse. And you have to ask yourself the hard question, if you have a spouse that's insecure, why is that? Because your marriage, husbands, wives, it doesn't matter when you get married how insecure your wife is, the longer she's married to you, the more secure she should be. The more secure she should be. Wives, when you marry your husband, he should become more empowered, more ready to go out and be released. And I have to ask the hard question, if you have an insecure spouse, how much of that is on you? Because I know in my relationship, it directly correlates to me, the confidence that Mike shows when we're out in public. But it's built at home with emotional intimacy. And that leads to wonderful physical intimacy. And now nowhere in the Bible does it talk about how many times you should have sex. Nowhere, you won't find it. It talks about behavior and it talks about environment. And I know that there's seasons, like when you have kids, where it's not so much about the quantity, but the quality, right? You know what I'm talking about. But I have to ask you guys, If I'm not hungry, should my whole family go without food? If I'm not hungry, should my husband starve? It's just an honest question. Because here's what I found. Maybe you're not in the mood before, but by the end you're in the mood. And maybe, you know, you, you find a lot, you have a full pantry that you're ready to feed your spouse. <laughs> All I'm saying is that when you ask God to come in and when you have that emotional intimacy, when you're enjoying each other in conversation, when the, when the mood hits or when your husband or when your wife comes to you and is like, come on, babe, let's like have some fun tonight. Maybe instead of saying, I'm tired, I have a headache. Maybe, just maybe, you put yourself out there a little bit and you'll end up feeling really satisfied and and having a lot of fun in ways that you didn't think could happen going into the evening. 
Let's be selfless with how we love each other. Let's care for our spouse in ways that we put them above our own needs. And watch, and when you have both parties do that, this beautiful, um, like, it's almost a flow that happens when both spouses are giving and loving in ways that comes from a place of selflessness and including God in that. And you will see your marriage go to new heights. And I'm, I'm sharing this from a place where I've experienced that for myself. I have been there. All of these points, all of these scriptures, all of these stories come from my own breakthrough, from my own tears crying in my prayer closet, from my own discipleship moments, getting called out by my connect leader, from my pastor, when I'm warring in prayer on Thursday mornings and I'm praying for women to see breakthrough in their marriage. This is where this message comes from. And I wanna encourage you that no matter where you find yourself in your marriage, that God has so much more than what you could ever ask or imagine. And He wants to breathe new life. He wants to awaken every single part of your marriage today. And maybe if you're in here and you're a widow or you're going through a hard season of divorce, I want you to know that God sees you as well. And all of the life and all of the wisdom that I spoke about this morning is for you too, to experience joy, to experience a flow from heaven. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.